Are you worried about how your children are going to cope with the divorce? Being attuned to your child is critical to helping them bounce back from a divorce. On today's episode, Adina Laver talks with Christina McGee, internationally recognized divorce coach, speaker, and author, to provide support and information to help you understand how your divorce experience differs from your child's, help you talk to your children about the divorce, help you think about how your children will view the divorce as adults, and also help you work out child support and custody issues productively. This is Sharon Pastore, and you're listening to the Healthy Divorce Podcast. Let's move forward. You're listening to the Healthy Divorce Podcast. Join us as we help you navigate your divorce without going broke, relationships in ruin, or ending up in court. You'll get into financial and emotional shape, make sense of the legal process, get strong enough to negotiate for yourself, be a mindful parent, stay amicable with your spouse so you can get a fresh start. Please welcome your host for this episode, Adina Laver, founder of Courage to be Curious and formerly Divorce Essentials. Our topic today is what your child really needs as they're navigating through divorce. And I'm very excited this month about the guests that we have. Um, We have with us today Christina McGee. Um, She's an internationally recognized divorce coach, speaker, and author, and um, her internationally acclaimed book, Parenting Apart, which I've really been spending some time with, has just a tremendous amount of information and guidance for parents who are either considering or navigating this process of parenting apart, and we'll talk more about the book as we go. Um, How Separated and Divorced Parents Can Raise Happy and Secure Kids is really the focus of it. She's been dubbed the divorce coach by the UK press and has gained worldwide attention for her work with three British families in a Channel 4 documentary, How to to Divorce Without Screwing Up Your Kids. She's been featured on television, radio, and print around the U.S. and internationally. And what Christina really brings is just an incredible amount of wisdom to this process. Christina was also involved in a project in working on a film called Split. And we're going to be talking about this today, but Split is unique and it's really a conversation about divorce with the children. So wondering what are our children thinking? What do they really need? What is their experience of going through divorce? I think that's what brought most people on to the call today. And so we're excited to have a dialogue with Christina about Split and what she can share with us about what she's learned and her experience in working with um, understanding child's perspective through divorce. So, Christina, that was a really long introduction to you. So I don't even know if I've left you anything left to say. I'm sure I have. But um, let me welcome you and invite you to say a few words of just welcome here onto our call. Well, I'm really excited to be here today, and I thought that was an awesome introduction. I don't know that I would have much more to add except that, you know, I I came to this profession very much by accident. It was um, where where professional and personal collided. Um, My background is in uh, clinical social work, and um, when I got married to the love of my life, I also became a bonus mom to two pretty incredible kids. Um, And some people ask, you know, what does bonus mean? Well, it's another word for step. Um, And even though I come from um, a divorced family, my parents divorced when I was a teenager, 
really, uh, divorce didn't have a profound impact. Um, at least I wasn't aware of the impact it had until I became a bonus mom. And, um, you know, my situation growing up wasn't the best of circumstances. I think my parents did um, the best that they could do. But there were a lot of things that I wanted to be different for the kids in our family. And so that's when I started researching information um, and found there wasn't a whole lot out there. And that's where my journey began professionally. Uh, I started teaching classes, working with parents, coaching, and the rest they say, I guess, is history. Right. Absolutely. And it is really, I think the places or the things that we get involved in that we're most passionate about tend to have that collision of the personal and professional. Something in our own personal life really provokes it. And certainly this was a a deep transition in your life to become a bonus mom and to really be concerned about the impact and the experience of the children who were now part of your extended, your growing family. Yeah, it really was. And so along with you know, having a lot of information and doing a lot of work in this area, I've walked a lot of my talk, and um, we certainly, I've had things that I've had to learn along the way. So I've been there, um, and, uh, you know, it's tough, but things that can be very rewarding. So I want to leverage all this expertise that you bring to the table and all your personal and professional experience here and really dive into the conversation about divorce from the child's perspective because we have an experience going through it as adults and, you know, if it is so profound for us. It's so poignant. We're so deeply immersed in it and, you know, probably can be pretty unaware as to what it's like from our children's perspective. So let me start by asking you, you know, first initially to what are some of the biggest differences between the adult experience and the child experience? We'll go more into depth into the children, but if you had to kind of name what are the biggest differences between the adult experience of divorce and the child's experience of divorce, How would you name those? Well, I think one of the biggest differences between how kids experience it and how parents experience it is that it's important to remember that parents and kids are often moving in very different directions when divorce happens. So divorce is the end of a marriage, but it's not the end of a family. And sometimes that's really tough for us as parents to wrap our heads around because when we're going through the process of uncoupling, we want to establish a separate identity. We want to move away from the relationship that we've had, where for kids, it's a crisis. And what they're wanting is to draw closer into family. They're wondering, what's going to happen to me? And am I going to lose mom? Am I going to lose dad? And so while they're needing to pull in and really have a stronger connection to family, we're trying to move away and establish our own identities and separate ourselves from the relationship. So it's really important to, to keep top of mind that, you know, while you're no longer husband and wife, you're always, always going to be mom and dad, and that element of family is so, so critical for kids. Right, and I think even in listening to you say that, it's defining family that, you know, for children, they're two parents and them and, you know, whoever else they happen to be living with, if there's an extended family member, that that's family and that that notion, even if people are not living in the same house, that in the child's mind, those people are all your family, as you said, even if the adults are separating and moving on to other places, 
that child's definition still includes all these people that they really love. Absolutely. And I think that we need to change the way we think about it. And that is, is that divorce is a change in a family. It's a transition. And so how are we going to approach that change and transition with our kids? How do we reaffirm that, yes, you are still part of a family, but we're going to be a family in a different way? And I really um, encourage parents to take on board this idea of a two-home concept to reinforce that for kids. So um, while you may have been a family under one roof, Uh, the family changes, and so you have a home with mom and a home with dad. And it's really about helping kids feel secure, that they feel a sense of connection and belonging to each parent and each parent's home, regardless of how time is spent. Right. So I love that, a family under two roofs. So, Christina, I want to go in and talk first about the movie Split. And can you tell us a little bit about how Split came, what it is, you know, what the movie focuses on and how it came to be? And then we'll go into what it describes a little bit. But what is Split and how did it come about? Well, Split is the brainchild of filmmaker Ellen Bruno. Um, And when she and her children's father separated, she started looking for resources, very much like I did when I became a bonus mom. And what she really was seeking was kids talking about the experience because, I mean, in reality, kids listen to kids. And she didn't find anything. So she started on this journey of having conversations with children who had uh, been through a divorce. And Split is um, interviews with 12 pretty amazing kids, I must admit, talking about and sharing their stories on what it really feels like when parents part. Um, It is incredibly insightful and wise, and um, it is really... um, it is really touching to hear these kids talk because it, it not only talks about the hard parts, but it also gives a sense of hope so that when kids hear other kids talking, it lets them know they're not alone and that there are other kids that feel the same way they do. The really interesting thing about the project is that as it unfolded, um, we discovered that it wasn't just a powerful um, film for kids, it also uh, spoke to parents as well because it gave them an opportunity to hear from kids that are like their own but not their own. And so um, you have, I guess, the chance as a parent to kind of step into your child's world and really hear some things that they might be reluctant to talk about with you directly. So it is a great tool. Um, It is just kids talking about divorce, no parents, no experts, just kids. Um, and a great tool for families to kind of open up conversations. Absolutely, it is, and it's really beautifully done with a lot of animation and nice color in there so that it is something you could share with your children as well and it would feel comfortable for them. You know, as you were working on the film and, you know, as it came to fruition, what were some of the really poignant moments, things that kids said that either, you know, made you like it, goosebumps or things like that, or just really brought home a point for you that you said, wow, you know, that's very powerful for me. Yeah, I think one of the most powerful parts of Split is just kind of it reaffirming that there are so many issues that kids deal with behind the scenes that we as parents just don't have a clue about. 
Um, and it's not that we're not well-intentioned. It's not that we don't love our kids or we're messing things up. It's just kids are extremely sensitive to how parents are managing the process and um, not wanting to make it tough for parents and not wanting to rock the boat. So there's a lot of things, you know, in the film kids talk about um, overhearing parents argue uh, and and parents not knowing they were around. Um, and and one of the most powerful parts is there's this little girl who talks about her birthday is coming up. And she says, you know, this year I'm going to have my birthday with my dad, but I really wish I could have it with my mom. But um, I think I'm going to have it with my dad because I want things to be fair. You know, in the midst of all this, she's really concerned about keeping things fair for mom and dad. And I just thought that that was so powerful that there's so many things that kids really struggle with that we may not even be aware of. Absolutely. And I, I completely remember the scene that you're talking about and in thinking about that. So I, you know, and there are a lot of beautiful pieces in there, as you said, kids talking about what it feels like when mom and dad argue, what it feels like to wake up in different homes and maybe forget where you are at some point. So let me ask you this question. I'm going to go back to the parents for a, a minute before we turn back to the children. But having watched this and, you know, kind, kind of being, you know, between two and three years kind of out from my own point of separating and our kids living in different homes and things like that. Um, when I first started to watch the film, and even though my kids are doing great right now and all this, I felt this sense of like, oh, my gosh, I'm putting them through all these really challenging experiences, you know, them having to worry about which home am I waking up in or worry about who I'm spending my birthday with or worried about not having one parent feel that I'm taking one person's side or another. And the sense of like, oh, my gosh, isn't that a lot to put on kids. And, you know, thinking about my, the own experience of struggling with this marriage isn't going well, it's not feeling good, I'm not happy. And then watching a film like this of, oh my gosh, but what, what might I put my kids through is, you know, when you talk with parents, how do you help them navigate that sense of, you know, inner turmoil perhaps? Well, I think that um, this is an issue that so many parents struggle with, and I've had lots of parents say, you know, I just don't know what to do. I even have parents ask me, so when's the best time? You know, if if the marriage isn't working, when's the best time? Should I hold out until they're getting ready to go to college? Should I wait until they turn a certain age? And the truth is there is no best time. Um, kids, depending on their age, it you know, experience divorce differently. What I think is really important for parents to be aware of is that what matters most to kids, what makes the big difference is how mom and dad are relating to each other. And so if you're staying in a marriage just for the kids, but it's not a happy marriage, uh, there's a lot of tension or kids aren't seeing, um, you know, a loving relationship, that's going to have an impact on them. You know, researchers have taken a look at kids in high-conflict divorces and kids in high-conflict marriages, and what they discovered is that kids show the same symptoms. So mm. it really, truly is about how are mom and dad getting along, Um you know, and, and it's a tough choice. It's a very personal choice. I think as parents, our first responsibility is to do everything we possibly can to have a happy, loving marriage. And if you've done everything you can 
and you still can't get there, then your next responsibility is to divorce with integrity. How do we go through this in a way where we can continue to be the best mom and dad we can be and give our kids what they need to be happy, well-adjusted adults? And I do remember there's one scene, it's pretty close toward the end of the film, and I don't want to ruin it for any, for everyone who's going to watch it after this, but, you know, there is the one part in the film with the one boy who says, you know, recognizes, you know, after he's talked about all of the other issues of, I think my parents are happier now, like I can tell that they're happier. And there's this sense of calm about that, even amidst everything else, the ability to detect the difference between when things are calm and parents are in a happy, good place from when they're not. And, you know, that was a really powerful moment of the film for me. It, it is, and, it, and I, I really love that hopeful message. And it's not that I'm advocating for divorce. Um, I'm a big believer in marriage. I've been married for 20 years. But, um, you know, when you look at the research studies that are out there, there kind of tends to be two different camps. You know, there's the doom and gloom that kids are going to be scarred for the rest of their lives and, oh, what are you doing to them? And then there's the other camp that says, you know, kids are pretty resilient and they, they can get through this. I think the big thing to remember is a lot of it has to do with what kind of choices are we making as parents today? Because the choices we're making today are definitely shaping not just tomorrow, but years down the road for our kids. And the sooner that we can kind of come to the table and really find ways to work together and give kids what they need, uh, yeah, I do believe that kids can be resilient. I know in my own personal experience, um, you know, in my case, my parents' divorce was a good thing for me. It was a hard thing. Uh, at the time, I felt like the whole world was ending. But looking back on it years from now, I can tell that it gave me an opportunity to become a different person that I might not have been otherwise, that there were some really important skills that I gained during that time. So um, it's hard, but it doesn't have to be debilitating. It doesn't mean devastation. Right, absolutely. And I've in fact seen that because I, you know, divorced also when my child was just kind of beginning teenager and have already seen that kind of shift in her and her own acknowledgement of how she feels things are going in a different path for her as a result. Um, so let's talk about, you know, doing this with that integrity that you talk about and some of the critical pieces because it is so hard at the very same time. And as you said, parents and kids are going in different directions as parents are moving away from each other and away from the marriage. Kids are looking, you know, for things to be closer, to pull things in tighter. And so this whole piece of doing it well and doing it with integrity is an exceedingly monumental task for most parents. Um, and so doing it well, what do some of those doing it well things look like and sound like? And I know you and I talked a lot about language before, you know, language of how parents talk to each other, about how they talk to kids. But what does some of this doing it well look like? Well, I think you raise a really good point talking about the language. It's one of those subtle ways that um, we can really impact and shape how kids are viewing this transition. You know, when we use words like visitation, and I really, really advocate and encourage parents to 
you know, drop the legalese. There's a lot of words that are in our court system that have been for decades that we really need to change and look at differently. And visitation is one of them that kind of makes the hairs on the back of my head stand up because it it insinuates that time is um, temporary, fleeting. Uh, Visitation also sets up that mentality of one parent, you know, kind of being the mainstay and the um, consistent home, and the other one becomes kind of the good time home. So you have one parent that's stuck being the heavy and one parent that turns into what they call the Disneyland parent. Because if you think about it, what do you do when you visit someone? You have a good time, right? You right. They pull out all the treats and they, you know, all the good times sure. and all these things you don't get to do every day at home. Right. And then you go back to, you know, the parent who says, well, of course you've got to go to bed and you've got to do your homework and you, you know. And so one parent's saddled with being the heavy all the time and the other parent um, is struggling with feeling like they're a significant influence in their kid's life. And, and parents, I think, struggle too with, uh, what kind of role they're going to have in kids' lives. So uh, I really encourage parents to look at it more from um, you have like an off-duty and an on-duty parent. I talk about this in my book. You know, when kids are with you, you're the on-duty parent. So create a, a family life with your kids regardless of how much time you have with them. You know, cook dinner together, go for walks in the park, read books, do homework, take out the garbage, work in the yard. Um, you know, that's all part of being a family. It's not just about having a fun time. And when you can use that kind of on-duty, off-duty um, concept with parenting, parenting becomes more fluid and you don't have one parent that's, you know, always in the fun role and one parent that's always having to be the heavy. You know, kids feel more connected, feel a sense of belonging, and it it kind of reaffirms what we talked about in the beginning of the call is having that sense of family. Yeah, and I also want to point out just from knowing from parents that I work with is that, you know, if there is a primary custody, meaning a place where kids spend more of their time um, than in another household, is that on the one hand, that parent can feel, you know, want the security of having the kids with them a lot, and then it also can generate a resentment when they visit with the other parent, and that's all good times, and they get all the good stuff, and I get all the hard stuff. So there can even be these pulls and tensions for parents within themselves between, wanting primary, but if it is set up in the way that you've described with these visits to the other parent, that that's where all the good stuff happens, and I don't get the good stuff, I get all the hard stuff. So and that internal pull. Right, and I think a lot of that, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. A lot of parents end up really resenting it, and in some ways they've kind of shot themselves in the foot um, by by using that kind of concept. So I encourage parents, you know, don't focus so much on counting the time you have, but making the time you have count. Mm, uh, that can, right. can still feel a sense of belonging, even if they spend more time with one parent than the other. And if you think about it, you know, even in a marriage relationship, you know, we don't spend 50-50 time with our kids all the time. Sometimes it's 70-30. Sometimes it's 40-60. You know, it's, it's more fluid depending on the needs of our kids the dynamics of our family, what's going on. And I think when parents can take that approach, when you talk about getting it right and doing it with integrity, you know, how do we really focus in on the strengths that we offer 
as parents um, and and really supporting that element of family. So that a lot of that relates to how do we even establish like a parenting schedule or a parenting plan? You know, what kind of things do we need to be thinking about? And I, I talk with parents about, um, you know, go back to the basics. What was life like before the divorce? How did mom spend time with, you know, the kids? And how did dad spend time with kids? If Aaron had soccer every Tuesday and dad's the coach and took him, well, then how do you keep that in place? You know, if mom's the one that always works with Susie on the science fair, you know, why should that change? And that's the kind of questions we need to be asking ourselves as parents. Which is great. Let me take us back. Let me backtrack just like a few, a little bit here to that place when we first talked to kids about divorce. Because I know from um, the messages that callers wrote in to us about is, you know, there are people who are grappling with how do I talk to kids about divorce? And even the way that very first conversation happens can have a big impact based upon the language that we use. You know, how do we structure that conversation? Who's in that conversation? And what choice of words? So can you talk to us a little bit about that initial conversation with kids and what are some of the the language that's really uh, useful and productive and what are some components of language that are really not? I would say that before you even think about talking with your kids, you and the other parent probably need to have a conversation together if that's feasible. You know, sit down together and talk about what are we going to say to our kids? What are some things our kids are going to be worried about? that what are some questions we need to answer in that first conversation. So that's really the first step is also um, involves developing our story. You know, what is the message that we're going to give to kids because the question is going to come up, why? And um, that's a very delicate balance because you, I think kids need to have a reason, but you also need to protect them from adult information. Um, you need to not go into um, placing blame because that puts kids in a real difficult position of trying to figure out who's right and who's wrong, um, you know, who's the victim in this. I think it serves kids' best interest for parents to give them a uh, non-blaming reason about how they arrived at this place so that they right. can make sense out of it. Yeah, and I want to, you know, add and pick up on that, too, because, you know, I know that when, you know, one person's feeling really hurt or angry or things like that, and just the way our our culture is designed, even how we're designed in school, like, you know, if divorce is a failure, well, somebody else needs to take the blame and own it. I'm not. So the parent who may be pushing for it or may have said this is what they want. Well, it's really their fault. And even wanting to tell the kids it's their fault because, you know, what not wanting to be perceived by the kids as the one who is upsetting your family home or upsetting your good life or things like that. And that that's really about us, right? When we're making those decisions and we're having those thoughts, that that's really about us. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Um, it's important for us to get clear about our own feelings so that that doesn't spill over onto our kids. So, you know, you have a conversation together, but also thinking about your own perspective. And it is it is incredibly hard when you're hurting or you feel wounded. Um, and a lot of times there's a, kind of a dynamic in divorce where one parent has already emotionally left the relationship 
and and one parent is still kind of grappling. And that can be a really tough dynamic when you're thinking about talking to kids. Um, so do as much work on the front end. You know, how do you build in some support for yourself? What are you going to say? And sometimes it may be best not to have a conversation with kids together. You know, if the two of you can sit in a room and talk with kids um, without tension, without it becoming emotionally overwhelming for you, then it's best to have a joint discussion. But if you can't accomplish that, if maybe there's big differences of opinion, if you can't agree on the why, then you're probably better off having separate conversations. Yeah, so I want to, and I want to add in two points to it. One is, you know, while we're here, and I'll mention it again later, but while we're here on what Christina just talked about, is to mention that that preparation for the conversation with the kids is one of the most important things parents can do in this process. And so Christina's book, Parenting Apart, the one she's referring to right now and that you'll get information about in the follow-up, is a great resource for preparing. And the Divorce Companion, which is available on my website, um, is also has a whole planning guide for planning that conversation. A lot of the questions that Christina mentioned and additional questions as to what are all the things to think through before having that conversation. So, you know, for people who are listening who are really at that place or know someone who's at that place, these are both great resources for taking that time up front. So I want to make that one point. The other point I want to make here is, you know, when I think about what's the conversation that we have with kids, like how do we structure it? What's the message? I had, you know, have this thought of whatever we're, whatever message we give right then is a message about what we want, what do we want to tell our kids about what's important. So if it's a blaming message, you know, that there's a bad person, there's a good person, you know, when things fall apart, you know, who's responsible for it, who did it, you know, type of thing. Well, is that the message we want to have that for, have for kids to walk away with when something goes wrong? Like if they're out on the playground, is there a right or is there a wrong or is there, you know, how do we understand each other's side? You know, in that message of talking to kids about divorce, we're really giving them messages about how you know, how we describe when things aren't going so well and how we're, you know, how we move forward in a difficult situation. Because divorce is one of the most challenging situations. How we talk about it and how we move forward is build the building blocks of what kids will understand about conflict and about when things need to change and how to navigate change. I don't know if I'm saying that really well, Christina, but I think it's, so there's something important here. Well, I think um, in addition to that, you know, what we're presenting to kids, it's, in, it's important for us to remember that the relationship that we've had with one another doesn't necessarily define um, our kids' relationship with mom or our relationship mm. with dad. You know, two good people don't always make a good couple. And I think that's one of the key messages that we want to communicate to kids. And when you're thinking about this first conversation, breaking it down even more into what is it that our kids really need to hear and what are they better off not hearing? So what do we want to tell our kids? We want to tell our kids that we're always going to be your mom and dad and that we love you and we're going to be here for you. So kids aren't left wondering what's going to happen to me. Um, are you going to stop loving me? And a lot of kids really struggle with that. We want kids to know that it's not their fault. 
and again, you know, this is one of the things that I think Split highlights so beautifully is that, you know, for us as parents, sometimes it's really hard for us to buy into the idea that kids might feel like they're responsible for the marriage not working. Um, but kids do really struggle with that. And if you think about it like a kid, it makes perfect sense. You know, when parents are arguing and they're not getting along and there's um, problems, what do they spend most of their time arguing about? A mm. lot of times it's kids or things that have to do with kids. Okay. So in kids thinking, you know, if all the arguments are about me, it must be my fault. Right, so really which makes perfect to, sense. Sure, we want to make sure kids aren't struggling with that, that they're not carrying that burden on their shoulders. So we want them to hear it's not your fault. And I think kids need to hear that the family is going to continue and we are so sorry that this is hard for you. Right. Another important point is to make sure that you feel like you don't have to have all the answers. You know, if there's something that you haven't thought of, a question that your kids raise, um, it's okay to let them know you haven't worked that out yet. And when you do, you know, you'll get back to them. Right, and I really like that you brought that up because sometimes we can feel caught off guard and try to jump to answer something, and, and we haven't really had a conversation about it with each other, but we feel like, oh, no, if they want to know that, that I should jump to an answer. And so giving ourselves permission to say we don't know that yet, but, we'll, you know, we, we will, and then we'll share it with you and we'll talk about it with you as being a, a really good option. So, Christina, oh, go ahead. No, no, please go ahead. Well, I wanted to shift us a little bit in the conversation, you know, ahead a few years, because we've been talking about, you know, what is the divorce like from the child's perspective and talking with kids about divorce. And I know that you also have some knowledge and information about what does it look like down the road? What does it look like when the kids are a little bit older? How do they look back and reflect on the divorce experience? So can you share a little bit with us about what happens, you know, a number of years out from divorce, what we've learned? Well, I think that um, what we've learned is that, you know, how we how we handle the beginning stages, um, you know, makes a really big impact on kids' perspective. So if we are able to, you know, have ongoing conversation with our kids, let them know that they're, you know, if they have questions, we're going to talk about it. If we're keeping them in the loop, um, shielding them from conflict, really trying to work together as parents, you know, it can make a really big difference for kids. And I always ask parents, you know, when you're in the throes of it, because it's so hard to see the big picture. It, I mean, divorce just levels and changes life. Um, is to ask yourself, you know, 10 years from now when my kids look back on how I handled the divorce, what will I have done to make them proud? Hmm. When my kids look back on this, what are they going to talk about? What are they going to remember? And even when you're in, like, the heat of the moment and you're having a really difficult time moving forward or you're facing a difficult decision, maybe, you know, you and the other parent aren't agreeing, ask yourself, you know, what difference is this decision going to make um, six months from now? What about a year? What about five years? And sometimes that can kind of help us shift our perspective, about what's going on and what kind of difference do we want to make for our kids. Right. And just as you're saying that, what's an example of one of the common things that we can get stuck on in the moment, but 
upon larger reflection, we might realize, well, that wasn't really as important as, you know, it seemed in the moment. What are some, what are a couple of those things that we can get really stuck around? Well, I know one of the ones I hear a lot from parents is when there's differences in discipline and household structure. So let's say, for example, you know, the kids come home and they say, oh, yeah, you know, over the weekend at mom's house, we got to stay up and watch TV all night, and we had potato chips and Coke, and, you know, dad totally flies off the handle. What do you mean? You're not allowed. You're supposed to be in bed by 8 o'clock. That's our rule. You know, and we get into this power struggle, or sometimes it's the reverse, and it's, you know, mom has a real issue with the fact that, you know, dad let the kids um, do something that she didn't think was safe, or, you know, it's just, there's a difference of opinion. Hmm. And so we get really caught up in trying to control one another, one another's structure, um, and the truth is, is that you need to kind of take a step back and think about, is this really worth going to the mat over? Because the truth is, is if, you know, Bobby was at grandma's house and she gave him chips and soda and let him, you know, stay up and watch TV, how would you have handled that? Right, which well, is always... Grandma, a lot more slack than we are, <laughs> you know, the other parent. But because it's the other parent, it just, you know, sends us right up the wall and... um so I think that some of it you need to look at the bigger picture. You know, is this really a, a make it or break it kind of issue? You know, some are. Safety issues absolutely need to be at the top of the list, and you need to have discussions about those. Um, I think also we need to, as parents, um, you know, consider that we may not be getting the gospel from our kids. Mm. When they're telling us what's going on over at the other parent's house, it's always a good idea to kind of check in with the other parent. Uh, I have a, a story about some, some parents who had this agreement that if you will believe half of what the kids tell you about me, I'll believe half of what they tell me about you. Mm. <laughs> right, which and, is great. because. <laughs> Right, because everything does go through a children's filter, right? A child's filter of their own experience. Sure, sure. And you may not be getting it. You know, kids don't always get it right. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's not. But it's always good, you know, to just kind of do a check-in. And um, I also encourage parents to implement kind of a sleep-on-it policy. So whether it's you get a um, really angry email from the other parent or something is said by the kids that really just sets you off or um, it blindsides you, you know, to kind of take a step back from it, sleep on it, then the next morning think it through and approach it. So maybe you need to make a phone call to the other parent. Uh, Maybe you need to thoughtfully consider what in that angry email you really need to answer. Um, and, and, and sort it out that way so that you're not given that knee-jerk reaction, but you're actually thoughtfully responding. Absolutely. And so, Christina, as, you know, we're kind of in the closing, not closing, the final segment of the call here in like the last 10 minutes, I want to turn specifically, we've been talking about the book and mentioning your book, Parenting Apart, and I mentioned it in the beginning as well, Parenting Apart, how 
separated and divorced parents can raise happy and secure kids. And, you know, there's an incredible wealth of information in this book. And what I haven't really mentioned yet, which I will do now and then again at the end, is that Christina has really generously offered a gift here to a caller who's on the call with us today of a copy of the book, The Film Split, and um, a 30-minute consultation with her. So we're going to be really pleased to distribute that out to somebody who's been on the call with us today, and that will come out um, by Friday in a follow-up email that we send out. But um, I want to really talk about the book, and, you know, what I – some of what I love about it is, you know, not only is it obviously filled with huge amounts of advice on and guidance on how do you structure this and how do you see the important things in big pictures, um, navigate your own experience, and it also really breaks this down developmentally um, by age for children in a lot of areas because it's true if we have a five-year-old, that's different than having a 15-year-old and our three-year-old, and they all see things really differently. And sometimes when we're in our own parent perspective, it's understanding what does that look like from my child's perspective can be really difficult to understand. So, you know, I love that you've actually broken this down into pretty fine-tuned increments as to how children are affected by divorce. But I wonder if you could kind of give us just an example so that we could appreciate the distinction between perhaps like that, you know, five-year-old child and the 13 or 14-year-old child. What are some of the differences in the way that they experience this? Well, just one glaring difference that, um, you know, lots of parents struggle with is how time is spent. So when we have a five-year-old, you know, you may need to have a more structured uh, type of arrangement in terms of parenting time. So kids know, you know, when they're going to be spending time with mom and when they're going to be spending time with dad. And it may need to be shorter, more frequent periods of time because long periods of time for really young kids can be hard, can be hard to wait. Um, so you may need to really think about that around the needs of your child. Whereas with older kids, teenagers, um, and they're going to need a lot of flexibility and, you know, a structured every other weekend schedule or you're going to be here then it may not work for them. They may want to have a little more input. And um, so that's an area where parents can really get at odds with each other because they have a schedule, um, but they forget that their teen has a schedule and hanging out with them is not at the top of the list. So you might need to be more flexible in how you he handle that issue. Well, and speaking as the parent of a teen, I attest to the fact that that is absolutely true, right? They've got their own schedules. And so what might be your weekend might be the weekend that they book themselves solid with all kinds of social events. And, you know, and there's my weekend, you know. So being able right. to be flexible and also appreciative of the fact that separating my own needs from my child's needs and the need for overall flexibility as the kids get older as opposed to when they're five and we really do have more control over their time and how they're spending their time. Sure, absolutely. I think another thing that's really key for teens is that sometimes because they're older, we think we can share more information with them. And a lot mm. of times um, teens are more apt to get caught in the middle of uh, parent differences because they're used to negotiate or communicate information. Um, kids are put in the driver's seat in terms of big decisions like, well, who do you want to be with for Christmas? Or where do you, you know, which parent do you want to spend your birthday with? 
really, um, while you want to consult your teen, mom and dad still need to be making the decisions so that kids aren't having to shoulder that burden. Right, so that they're not shouldering that burden and also recognizing that for kids, sometimes things are fleeting, right? I'm in an argument today with mom, so I want to be with dad for Christmas, but, you know, in, in normal time, that argument is gone in a day. But that big decision, if it were contingent upon what happened in that moment, could really have a very distorted outcome. Yeah, sure could. So, and the book, you know, and I just want to say a few words about it as we kind of are bringing to a close, because the book really covers the gamut in terms of, you know, what the parent's experience is um, and how parents navigate through this, how children are affected by the divorce. You know, some of the most challenging things that parents have to come up against as they're navigating this vis-a-vis their children, and that even comes during the period of separation or divorce and then post separation and divorce. And then you also provide a really nice section here on moving on from divorce and, you know, starting things like dating and bringing in bonus parents or bonus significant others to the relationship or to the children's world and things like that. And so you really cover a pretty wide range here within the book. And so it's a really valuable resource that you bring to the table here that I want to highlight for people as they're listening, parenting apart, how separated and divorced parents can raise happy and secure kids. So as we're coming into the closing here, um, I want to give you the opportunity to, you know, kind of a, a pearl of wisdom that maybe we haven't shared yet, something you've shared with groups of parents um, many times over, but maybe hasn't made it into our conversation yet that you'd like to leave callers with today. Oh, goodness, that's a tall order. (laughs) (laughs) There's so so many different things. I think one thing that we haven't talked about that I would really like to put out there for parents is that, um, you know, it's so important that we make an effort to put the oxygen mask on ourselves first because how you're taking care of yourself is really going to make an impact on your ability to be a parent and really be there for your kids. So, um, you know, whether it's reading a book or it's getting connected into a support group or being on a call like this, um, seeing a counselor or a coach, uh, just make sure that you're doing something and getting connected into supports that are taking care of you because if you don't get through this experience, what chance do your kids have on getting through this experience well? So really how you're taking care of yourself is a critical, critical component to how well your kids are going to adjust. Absolutely. I'm really glad that you raised that because it is true. We can get so busy even taking care of things. And when we lose track of taking care of ourselves, we don't really have the resources to bring our best self forward. So as we're closing up here today, I want to help people know how they can get in touch with you and how they can get a hold of the film Split or the book Parenting Apart. How can they access these resources following this call? Sure. Well, my um, website is divorceandchildren.com, and if anyone has a question or just wants to go check out the site, there's a lot of articles and information there uh, for the taking. Split Film is available for purchase as a DVD uh, at the website splitfilm.org, and you can also take a peek at the trailer to kind of give you a sense of what it's like. It's got a, you know, um, 
a nice clip that shows you some of what kids share as well as the animation. It's a beautiful, beautiful film. And um, then also if you're looking for a resource, uh, you can find Parroting Apart at uh, any major book distributor. I think it's also available in electronic form. So if you want an e-book, you know, in a Kindle or a Nook, you can certainly do that. And just the last thing about the book, um, you know, when I created it, it was really important because I, you know, when you're going through this, there's so many that are overwhelming and your plate is fuller than full. The goal of writing Parenting Apart was to create something that parents could dip in and dip out of. So when you get a copy of a book, you don't need to necessarily read it from cover to cover. Go to the table of contents and take a look and see where you're at and start there. You know, each chapter was designed to be like a 10 to 15 minute read so that you could get the information you need. It's got action steps in there. There's things that you can actually do right away to improve the situation. And, um, and it may be something that you use over time, kind of like um, your divorce Bible or your divorce cookbook where you get the guide you can continue to refer back to depending on what's going on with you and your kids. Absolutely. I'm glad that you raised that because that's true. This is definitely something you can dip in and out of. And then finally, you know, I will just add in there the resource, the, the divorce companion that's there is a great complement to this. Be, you know, Christina's book, Parenting Apart, raises many of the things to think about, gives you some tools there of things to try. And the companion is really a source to really have that thoughtful planning around each of the pieces of divorce, about talking to the children, navigating that working through the finances, working through the legal matters. It really covers the full gamut and provides that resource in terms of helping you to plan for the thoughtful journey through this. So a lot of resources available today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Divorce Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You can find me, Sharon Pastore, or my partner, Chris Pastore, at MyHealthyDivorce.com. If you like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, you can have a healthy divorce. It's how you divorce that matters. <laughs>